This is the story of a little guy in a big world, a small board game publisher trying to make an impact on a fast-paced industry with thousands of new games each year. Without being able to compete with low prices or large print runs, Button Shy is simply just doing things its own way. Welcome to DIY Board Games. Today we have an interview. It's myself, Jason Tagmeyer, and Marty Cobb. Um, starts out with Marty asking me questions about my background in uh, gaming, design, everything else. And then we turn the tables and ask uh, Marty a bunch of questions about his background, some of his favorite games and things like that. So here we go. Check it out. Uh, hello, my name is Marty Cobb. I'm Jason Tagmeyer. And I'm here with Jason. Um, we're going to, uh, well, let's get into uh, Button Shy. Okay. Uh, my first question is, obviously... Uh, what is Button Shy, and where does the name come from? All right, so this is the an- this is the question that I get that I need to make up an answer because the <laughs> Button Shy was a. This is going back fifteen years, maybe. Okay. Um, I would make buttons for bands, little pinback buttons that you put on your shirt or your jacket or your bag or whatever. Uh, for bands. It started with my own band. We had a band, me, my wife, and some friends, and we wanted some merchandise. Usually you just go to a, co- a company uh, and buy buttons off them, but for not much more, we could buy the machinery to make the buttons. So we did. We bought the machinery. We started making buttons for our band. Follow- soon, It soon followed many other bands that wanted, many other bands wanted buttons. So we started making buttons for other bands. I did this for five years. Made them for bands, made them for stores, made them for companies, made them for events. And the name of the company at the time was Button Shy. I had to get a real job at some point as, you know, we had children and we moved out of our house. Life uh, happens. Yeah, life unfortunately happens. And I sold off the equipment. And I kept the domain name because it was the hosting site for every other website that I was hosting. Um, fruitlesspursuits.com is a website that, you know, I work, I helped create and, and still work for. And everything on Fruitless, Fruitless Pursuits is hosted on buttonshy.com slash Fruitless Pursuits. Yes, make sure to check out Fruitless Pursuits. <laughs> for, <laughs> for the podcast network that features our other podcasts. Yes, Star WTF, the podcast where we discuss the Star Wars universe one useless fact at a time. Anyway. Plug. Yeah. <laughs> all right. No shameless plugs. Um, but uh, all of those websites, uh, were everything I have was hosted on ButtonShy. So as I would make, as I was thinking about names for the company and before ButtonShy, the name was Champion Land, which was a, just a name that I went by for making games because it was very uplifting and a place of, of excitement. Uh, but it was a name that was, I guess some other people had the dot coms and things like that to where I couldn't get the email address and that just that stuff just bugged me. Yeah. And it just was, yeah, you'd Google it and you'd find a couple things. But I kept going back to Button Shy because I still had this website and I still had the logo that I paid $40 for. <laughs> and and, I, and I've always kept going back to it. Like, if I'm going to have a website that's buttonshy.com slash whatever the company name is, why don't I just use Buttonshy again? So Buttonshy came out from, from the midst of, you know, the mid-2000s. It was dead for a good eight years or whatever. Uh, and became the new name for this for this company. So what it means and what it meant at the time was uh, I had to have the word button, and I found a cool word that worked with it. Shy is something that button shy was a cool, just the words flowed together well. Um, and to me, it represented just like people who are geeks are shy, people who you know collect buttons are shy, and they may or may not be, but I was shy, so it all worked. Exactly. As we went into this company, uh, what it means for the board game company, um, Button Shy to me now represents tabletop. You know, Button Shy is void of you know video games and, and the the electronic world. Ooh, I like uh, it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's my and take on it. it you could repur- uh, repurposing. Repurposing. Yeah, it's to to me. You know. 
it's 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 the the opposite of you know sitting by yourself and and you know plugging away at whatever device or whatever it's being with other people um and and playing tabletop games which is funny enough because your first like big board game was about video games. It was a video game <laughs> board game. That was not a button shy production. That though. was true. It's not. Um, <laughs> but uh, I. Uh, so, obviously, you don't get uh, into designing games before you have to start playing these games first. Yes. Uh, so, when did you first get into the hobby board game market? The more recent modern stuff. Um, um, and uh, if so, what do you have any connection with older games first as well? Like yes. as a kid. So as a kid, I, I've always loved playing you know tabletop games of any sort. Uh, well before I was into the hobby style games, I had a collection uh, of just mass market maybe eighties and nineties board games. Uh, go to the head of the class. Um, Saved by the Bell. Uh, a thousand Scrabbles. Um, the Ewok Adventure game, you know. Things that would later end up on uh, some friend's podcast. <laughs> uh, flip the table. <laughs> so uh, I had a huge collection of those kind of things, and I would actually like to play them. Um, alongside of that, um, I would get heavy into games like Stratego or Risk. Like, those were the ones where... Yeah, those uh, early, like, strategy... Yeah, and even, like, the Lord of the Rings Risk and things like that Ooh. would would get a lot of gameplay. Um uh, other than that, I got into there were two defining, I would say three defining games that that shifted gears for me. Uh, CCGs, particularly Magic the Gathering. Before that would be Pokemon, being a po- ex Pokemon trainer. <laughs> um, Pokemon was huge for me, uh, and then later on Magic the Gathering, and maybe some Warlord and a couple other CCGs in there. Uh, uh, any Yu Gi Oh. Uh, little Yu-Gi-Oh. The math was a little too, uh, a little off-putting. Yes. <laughs> I can still agree with you that, and still a lot of those games have that problem. <laughs> but uh, on the other side, so the, this, that would be one. I'd lump all them together. Probably more Pokemon than anything in, in yeah. pushing me in that direction. Back in, like, the early 2000s was This would have been about game. 99, 2000. The second one was HeroScape. Um, I bought a lot of HeroScape. Uh, it, it pushed you into that miniature strategy, you know, style tactical game, um, and it was another one where I wanted to buy everything and collect everything. And that's I, a lot of people of, of my age or my era have that. You started out with the collectability of things, um, and I don't know that it's that much anymore. But that was the, the driving force at one point. So I bought everything here, escape that I could. Oh yeah. Um, and played it less than I set it up. I set it up more than we play it. Oh yeah, and we've spent a lot of time making maps for that game, if I recall. <laughs> but that to me was 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 very very cool and very inspiring. And then the third one that probably kicked things off for me was um, Battle Ball. Battle Ball is a football uh, polyhedral dice game with these little miniatures, and it. It set things off in a way that this was a self-contained game. It wasn't, you know, a collectible one. It didn't have expansions. It should I think? It, I think they talked about there were other factions or something at one point. But um, Battle Ball was just a, a straight-up dice rolling, you know, sports representation with gruesome orc-like characters, and it was just awesome. Yeah. So playing those three games a lot really, really shaped. My uh, my childhood into whatever now I, adulthood. Yeah. Now I noticed that um, the the board games you mentioned there at the beginning, uh, HeroScape essentially being uh, Mattel's answer to well, not Mattel. It was a uh, Hasbro. It was Hasbro. Yes, it was it was Hasbro. Um, Hasbro's answer to war uh, miniature war games. Yeah. And Battle Ball being essentially their answer to uh, <laughs> Blood Bowl. Yeah. Uh, when was the first, like, uh, like real hobby-ish style game? Like, what was the first game that you can recall that you played that would have been the one that was like, this is uh, the modern board game market sort of a thing? So, I would think it probably has to be... Uh, and I'm trying to pinpoint, like, a time and place for it. 
But I think the one that like really sucked me in first was probably Carcassonne. It's a, it's a good start. And I don't even believe I played it before I bought it. And I remember I'd go into the hobby stores having pl- having played other games just before that. At We had our game group, the Philly Jersey, North New Jersey PA Board Game Alliance was something started by Alex Strang. Um, and it was all about people who designed games and you also played games. And there played things like Cloud Nine and those kind of things like opened my eyes to... To, to just everything else that was out there. But I remember seeing Carcassonne in a store, and it was the big box. And before I think I played the game, I bought the big box version, which is like $100 and you know five expansions or whatever. And box the size of this table. The collectability got the best of me once again, and I was just like, this is awesome. I want everything. And uh, <laughs> kind of drifted from there maybe dominion was dominion was kind of way later but not that much later um games like cathedral that's not super hobby market-ish but i think well you know it's it's not super mass market you know um i love uh, abstract strategy games you know that's still something that i love so i think that's it buying carcassonne was the ticket to the end. Uh, yes. And uh, why don't you tell us about the first experience you had making a game? What was the first game you made, and uh, where did it go? How did it go from there? So, I feel like the natural evolution of any gamer is to eventually make their own games. Oh, of um, every not every gamer becomes a designer, but every gamer has a design in them somewhere. And you see that. And, like, so many of my friends started out as gamers and are, are now, you know, dabbling in design. And it just – I feel like it's a natural evolution. If you like them to play games, you're going to have an opinion on what's going to make a game better and that may or may not be out there. And you're going to – if you have the, the initiative someday, you know, you're going to make that. My drive comes from somewhere else. My drive, I feel like, comes from the toy – kind of world and the product development world. I found a company that made print-on-demand cards. At the time, I saw companies that made print-on-demand books, but I found one that made cards. It was called Guild of Blades, and uh, they just made... They printed on card stock and, and cut them. They had rounded, curved edges and no packaging or light packaging, and they were cheap. You know, It was cheap enough that for 10 bucks or whatever, I can get a deck of cards. So as soon as I found that company, I said, how do I make a game to put on those cards? Uh, and I think I made four within three, three or four within a couple months and ordered them for myself and ordered enough copies that I could have for who knows what at the time. You know, I had no outlet and nowhere to put them and no reason for it. But to me, that product development itch started to... To, to, to itch um, so I made a game called Maze Game Maze Game is barely a game you you set up cards and they have little like almost like Tetris blocks on them and you have to form a maze from beginning to end there's some little rules you flip over cards it's solitaire um, as I think about it I get excited because of like what it what it meant at the time but it's just it's just very simple it's the shuffle of the deck you either get it or you don't um, and that was a huge thing in early designs. Is it's just randomness, um, and more like random encounters than than game yeah. <laughs> than anything. So the second one was called Starts with Ends with, which is a word game where you have a starting letter, let's say M, and an ending letter S, and the players need to come up with the longest word between the two but, uh, that that uses the M to start and the S. So I might say like motivates. And Marty might say... What was it, M and S? Yeah. Um, mothers. That's less letters, so you would lose. That's right. But that's, and that's the entire game. You know, you get a point per letter, or at the time you, you get a point for scoring, for having more letters, and then you just keep going. Um, cool concept. I made an app out of it and things like that. And uh, But that was it. And, and it just... It, we made it, and it, it 
kind of didn't go much further than that, but it was cool. It, it was very fulfilling to be able to get it from, from idea to paper to deck of cards. The third game was Pixel Lincoln, the original side-scrolling card game. You put a penny on the cards. They looked like a video game. You rolled a die that didn't come in the box because it didn't fit, slid the penny along, and if you hit the monsters, you beat them. If you hit them, no, if you jumped on them, you beat them, but if you ran into them, you died. And that was it. It was really stupid. Um, I sold a like, I don't know, like 30 of them or something, which was more than I should have. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, one of the one of them that I sold actually went to uh, somebody who was doing video game development at the time, a company. And from there, uh, we we eventually started making Pixel Link in the video game. And then as a result of my design duties on Pixel Link in the video game being done, we started Pixel Link in the deck building game, which kind of kicked off the second phase of my my life as a designer, which was making games for publishers. So uh, after your first break, uh, where did you go from there? So sometime around that time, I hooked up with WizKids and wound up you know, being able to design the, the expansion for Quarriors, uh, Quarriors Quest of the Cladiator. I was co-designer on that, and it was, you, you could say it's a huge stroke of luck because it kind of set everything off in, into the right direction. But, um, you know, I sent them some examples of my work. Uh, at the time, I was pretty much unpublished, but I had won a design contest at the Game Crafter, and that was kind of what I based my little application on. Um, and they were like, okay, you know, this seems a little, you know, lighter than what we're expecting, but, you know feel free to send over the, your ideas and things like that. So I had the opportunity to send over an idea for Quarries of the Cladiator, which was unnamed at the time, and sent over my my thought of a, a cool expansion, and it was called Quarantine, and it was all about uh, dice that were locked and, and could not move uh, for a variety of reasons. And they, they liked my pitch, and then, you know, everything happened, and I wound up co-designing that. Um, from there, uh, I just kept making games. And at the time, Button Shy was publishing my own games became a, a, a almost like a non-issue. I, it wasn't something I thought about. Um, it wasn't something that I even considered because we uh, I had the opportunity to work with these other companies that that assume all those roles, those roles that that are terrible, like the marketing and the you know, just the setup for for printing and the the shipping and all that stuff. So, I started working with other companies. I made Maximum Throwdown with AEG. Um, that was I pitched it to. I, I didn't even pitch it to them. I, I played it with them at, at, at a convention, um, and and it all kind of just spiraled spiraled right there. Um, and then met up with Eagle Griffin Games and same thing, played some games with them in the convention and now 7-7s is out with them. There's a couple other little things in the process, but it all kind of, it's like you need, it's like any job, you need the job to get the next job and how you get that first job is is the hardest thing and, you know, hitting it with with both WizKids and, you know, with GameSalute and Pixel Lincoln set everything from there forward. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. You have to get your SAG card if you were an actor, that kind of setup. Your bag card. Your bag card. No, the board game actors guild. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it would be called. Um, now, at this point, how many of these games have you designed? Oh, jeez. Well, there's a little <laughs> shelf behind us. I, I don't know how many. Um, published games. Um, it's even it gets messy even there because yeah. Pixel Lincoln had like seven expansions. Um, Maximum Throwdown had a second version. Um, seven sevens is out, so that's three series. You know, three three sets of games there that are out and published. The Quarriers as well. 
Then the things that we did for Button Shy, I've had my hand in some of them. I've, I've designed some of them. So I would say out of published games, and by published being a loose term, either via Button Shy or other small companies or large companies, maybe about eight. Okay. About eight or so? Eight individual games, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, within those games, which one are you the most proud of, or which one do you enjoy the most still? So those might be two separate things. That's true. Because um, enjoy the most would be enjoying playing it, I assume you're saying. And, That's true. Um, most proud of... It might be seven sevens, and the reason for that is because I stepped outside of my box to make it. Um, my box at the time was usually, this is kind of goofy, you know, this is kind of uh, in your face or, you know, like like looking at like Maximum Throwdown was just very just big and grand in like, in it's like it's like all talk like you know pixel lincoln is just it's 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 capturing a video game and a card game so these are just like big silly things seven sevens is just a small card game that's about seven certain uh famous sevens and each one has a special ability and you're just trying to get the best three card hand it's so simple in its scope it doesn't have we're going to throw cards and we're going to play like a video game it's just you need a three card hand um, taking that approach was a huge stretch for me and didn't fit within anything I was doing at the time. So I'm happy that I pulled it off and I'm happy that a lot of people are enjoying that game. As far as what I like to play the most out of what we've made, um, I'm going to say Famous Missions. Famous Missions is a really silly um, party game where very much inspired by something like Apples to Apples at the time that I made probably in like 2009 or so. Probably. It was a long time ago. And I did like self-publish some small copies by myself. I did try to kickstart it years ago. And it's just it was just a hard sell. Um, The art was terrible, you know, but somehow I'd gotten used to it and it it worked. Um, But we redid it with Island officials last year and it had a very small Kickstarter, you know, a couple hundred copies went out to people and um, it's just a silly little party game where one player is a judge and the other players are trying to uh, pitch their best three card team of famous people's famous people usually, um, Good famous people or awful famous people, um, and, and the judge has a mission card. For example, like dismantle a bomb, and one player may play Mr. T, uh, Barack Obama, and Genghis Khan. You know, yeah. Um, but another player may play Carrot Top, Paris Hilton, and um, Abraham Lincoln. You know, so it's famous people from throughout time, and some are just plain awful. Like the carrot top card and things like that. It's still at a party situation. It's still a lot of fun. So um, that's the one I would probably like to play anytime. That's that's a good one. That's a good choice. It's the least set up. That's true. <laughs> like it's I don't feel like simple. setting up a game for fifteen. <laughs> it's it's as you get older, you know. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Out of the published games that you have played, not play tested here, what would be your favorite? A published game that I've. Made or, or played? You, you've owned. You put. You played. That I, uh, it's my favorite published game. Yikes. Um, I think Survive is in my top three. Survive is an old game. You know, it came out years ago, um, but they've come out with some new versions that are nice and pretty. But it's a game about uh, an island. The island starts to disintegrate. You got to make it to land and there's sea monsters and whales and sharks um very take of that um but it's it's an awesome game that i even played as a child uh and that one just stands out as as will always be a favorite a second favorite is always a uh, cosmic encounter the reason the rules are really simple but the cards the rolls break the rules and there's what like 200 rolls that I will never, ever play every single one of them. So I'm always up for playing another game of that. And the number 
probably my favorite game of all time is probably Risk Legacy. I think what Rob Davio did with that was something that is brings out emotions that don't come out in other games for me. Um, you're modifying the game board and making it your own. Um, I'm surprised, and I've said this before online, that nobody else has made, like seriously made a legacy game in the four or five years it's been since that. Rob's making another one, or two other ones actually. There's been a couple of little tiny ones, but it, it, it's been very, it's something that has not been seen too much since then. But that's probably my favorite game of all time. And I'm very sad that we're winding it down in our little campaign, which has lasted four years. Yeah, it's been a long time we <laughs> uh, haven't gotten through. I think we've only gotten through seven of the 14 or so games. You yeah, it's just, but we've opened almost everything. So it is sad that 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 will the, the novelness of it is going to be gone. But if it takes me as long to play through one as it takes Rob to make a new one, I guess, yeah. you know, I'm evening out. Um, as a designer of many card games as well, uh, and as many uh, many games, uh, is there any card or game mechanic that you regret keeping in the game? Um, I'm sure there is, and I'm looking at Pixel Lincoln. <laughs> uh, not that there's anything about that game that I that I hate or dislike or anything like that, um, but I wonder if there's things that we put in the later expansions that should have been in the, the, in the in the original base set. And probably the thing I regret the most about that is I built it for expansions. Um, I wanted the base set to be very simple, get you into the game, and then we would get into the tricky stuff later. So maybe one of the things that I regret the most about that was um, we put more powerful enemies in the later version. We put um, more varied card effects in the later versions. And just kind of holding that back was... Um, it. I'll never know what works better. If it was better that it did come out at that, you know, entry-level deck builder, or if we put the, uh, you know, the, the little bit of heavier, thinkier stuff into it the first time around. That's pretty much it. Oh, okay. Um... Going along with a little bit of the negative, what is the least your least favorite game you've ever played? Uh, published games. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I don't want to hurt anybody's unpublished games feelings. No, and <laughs> it might be an unpublished game. <laughs> but um, no. Uh, like, I've said it's Agricola before, which is just <laughs> like... A rough choice. Yeah, and uh, it was really the experience more than anything else, but the experience was I played it on a, like, website thing, like a turn-based website thing, and it was so slow, and I had no clue what I was doing, and that was my first impression of it, and to me, it's just... I don't know if it's a very as dry as it as like the box and then as it comes across and the theme and everything else, but to me, something of that game length, uh, it just it's not even just the game length of just the whole the whole thing of it is is a bit of a turnoff because my gaming time is very limited. Yeah, I like to get something in that that is not so much quick. We've played some games that are longer. But that just hits the spot right away. Yeah, and that, that seems like it's a little bit of a longer drive to, to you know, and it's a different spot that it's hitting. It's definitely a different spot. Um, so I should say it's the web version of Agricola. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, uh, you yourself collect board games in some way, at least. Yeah. Uh, n- not in any particular way. I meant just grab games that you want to play, I assume. Yeah. Um, what kind of games attract? Uh, do you get attracted to immediately? What kind of like themes or mechanics or designers are you keen to pick up almost immediately or hunt after? Um, recently, I've been sucked into the Fantasy Flight uh, Star Wars stuff. Yes, <laughs> I can. I, I can. I, I know what that's like. There's, a, there's just something about that that I cannot stop buying it. Um, 
But when I see something on the shelf, what usually catches my eye, um, usually games where you're building something. That's definitely something that really, really catches my eye. And I haven't played it, but the Castles of Mad King Ludwig uh, is a game where you're building the castle. Um, same, it's Ted Ausbach, same guy that did you know, all the werewolf and things like that. That just, that spatial gameplay just totally hits the spot for me. So anything, anything like that, um, even like Battle at Kemble's Cascade, it's a, it's similar to something like Pixel Lincoln, where it's a side-scrolling game. Just seeing how it's set up on the table and the the amount of space it takes up, and and how that space is like filled with like every single different card, it looks exciting. Um, and along those lines, I would also say space games. Instantly, a game that's a space game. I am into. Makes sense. I just, especially if they just have a lot of things going on on the table. You know, that's just, there's something that's appealing about that. And it may not be my favorite game to play, but it's my favorite game to buy. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Um, is there any games uh, that you hunt after that you really desperately want that you don't own? Um, recently, it's Spyfall. Um, not that it's even that hard to get. But I just, you know, I just, I have to grab that. But um, I guess I was more hunting a deal than hunting the game was uh, Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter was, you know, rave reviews, game of the year last year for many different things. Um, And it's not that I haven't seen it anywhere. It's just that I buy games when I can play them. So if we have a game night Saturday night this week, I want to make sure I have a new game for it or, or we have some games picked out. But if it's Monday and there's a game I want, I'm not going to buy it if I don't know that I'm going to play it soon. So um, Dead of Winter was one that I've loved the look of it. I've loved the sound of the, you know, the crossroads mechanics and things like that. But I've never had that opportunity to, to, to purchase it and one night we were having a game night and it just happened to be on super sale at my local game store. Not Dead of Winter, but everything. And I wound up getting it for 20% off and we played it that night, which was awesome. Yeah, it's a great game. Um, now, in a perfect world, you can design any game you want and you have infinite time to work on it. What would the ideal game be? Is there any game concepts that you've always wanted to make? Or is there anything you've always wanted to work on but you couldn't because of either restrictions to our own uh, way we make stuff here or simply because there's not enough time in the world to get it right? Um, yes, definitely. There are a couple things that are, are big, grand ideas that I've had for, for a long, long time and, and you know, really been trying to eventually kind of get out there and, and it's never happened. Um, I'm trying to think of what the biggest one would be out of that batch. Um, we've talked about miniatures games, just making a huge miniatures battle game. Um, but I'm going to go small. And I'm going to say Dexwing. And, <laughs> and Dexwing is, is more of a concept than anything. But I would love to have been able to make this work. And essentially it was took the concepts of something like X-Wing um, or Wings of War or whatever, <laughs> but not even the concept of that because that has the, you know, initial turn base or the, you know, you choose the order. Wings of War at least had to choose the order of your, your movements. Um, but it simply took little hex tiles and put the ships on the tiles and you move them with a variety of dexterity movements with your hands. And it was... Meant to replicate something like X-Wing that costs you hundreds of dollars in a package that's like $5 because it's like five little hex uh, ships and, and some cards. So that might be my, that's like my, uh, is it the white whale or the, you know, yeah. just the the one that got this bit past me. What's the, the biggest board game story you have? Like what's your best experience playing a board game? Um, and I know which one I would go to right away as being like a defining moment of board games for me. Mine would be 
Cosby Encounter. Yeah. <laughs> My house. <laughs> yeah. Five players. Four players kind of hovering around, or all five players hovering around that number four spot. You got to get five to win. And uh, big team up of everybody except <laughs> yeah, Marty. Yeah, that's that's why. <laughs> and we all team up, defeat Marty, do like a four way high five while Marty like sulks off into the. No, it was corner. even more ridiculous than that. We we had it was like six players. It was a large game of Cosmic Encounter, and everybody just teamed up on me because it turned out that like if I lost like. Everybody could win at that moment if they just join in because no matter what they could beat me. Yeah, every it was just it, it was everybody wins but Marty or Marty wins. I, yeah, I, I don't even remember if, even if I was winning at that point. I think I w- it was just a very competitive game, uh, and I remember like I think I may have like made some like mean comments or something. We were joking around, of course, but I, I pretty much set myself up to fail. I pretty much do that in every board game. I think. <laughs> All right, so uh, my first question for you would be, um, let's go back to the beginning, and what do you think your first experiences with board games were? Um, I would have to say that my first experience with board games, I mean, I played Monopoly. I played, you know, Go Fish and all that. Uh, my grandmother and I used to play a lot of Go Fish, War, and Monopoly Junior when I was young. I remember I have good memories of playing Monopoly Junior. Monopoly Junior is less than Monopoly by a mile, so game of no decisions in any way. But it, it's um, I don't know if somebody pulled it out and it was like the same board that I played, I'd play it. Yeah. Um, but probably my real first uh, like car, uh, look into what would be modern gaming is a. Uh, CCGs, of course. Uh, I used to play a lot of uh, Pokemon. I used to do yeah. tournaments every once in a while, and I would collect the cards a lot and build my own decks. I was never great at it. I think my main deck at the time focused on Ditto, and Ditto's not that good of a card. <laughs> um, I had some I had some really bad decks. I still have some really bad decks. I built some decks like two years ago, and I got to play them against a starter deck that somebody brought with them, and I lost miserably yeah um but i remember that i played a bit of magic i was never great at that but um i played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh, and i got really into the tv show as well i mean i was more into pokemon but uh Yu-Gi-Oh was at the right time for me to get really into that like buying cards and getting into that and then uh basically for a period after that nothing really um, yeah, I would play games. I bought HeroScape when it first came out because I was a sucker for Hasbro's advertising. <laughs> um, I still think that's a great game. I don't think I've ever played it properly, and I don't think my copy of the board game came with any rules. Um, for real? Yeah, that, that, I think that's why I never really knew how to play it. Um, I didn't learn how to really play it until like years later when we would play it uh, up at the NJPA uh, Board Game Alliance. And uh, back way back when, and back in like 2009, I want to say probably before I graduated, I know that. Uh, but I was the, I was up there at the NJPA, uh, whatever. Yeah, I can't remember the full title. No. NJPA BGA BGA uh, that I played a lot of games that would eventually be the games I liked a lot. I played Cosmic Encounter there for the first time, uh, Cloud Nine, uh, Dominion, Carcassonne. I think even Catan we played up there for the first time. Survive, I know we played up there a lot. Uh, we played a lot of very random stuff. I remember one time we played uh, a, thousand white blank, a Thousand Blank White Cards, which yeah. was a lot of fun. We spent the whole day putting the cards together, and then at the end of the night, that's what we ended on. Uh, Cathedral, of course. A lot of things like that. Uh, that was probably the best way to get introduced in something. Just go to it every month and really learn about all these, these crazy games. Um... It was also my first introduction into role-playing games as well. It was the first time I ever played a role-playing game. I played uh, Paranoia, which was a lot of fun. So with um, what is appealing uh, about the design of games to you, whether it's designing like Wildcats or developing like other games we've developed or playtesting, but what, what, what do you find appealing about the design process? There is something I like about designing worlds in a way designing designing 
I li- I'm, I'm a theme guy. So the IP? The IP I like designing a lot. I like designing, coming up with ideas for what this and that and this and that is. I also like designing the games, of course. I like being able to design like how everything works. There's something appealing about having control over something that you're making. Uh, at least in that sense of uh, like having control over where everything goes from there. Um, I, I've always kind of I, I've had a I'm always like a narrative guy in general. I like designing. I I think of stories most of my in my head most of my day, at every day. Like even if I'm at work, I'm just sitting there and be like, "Wonder what it'd be like if the everybody in the world had hands for feet," and then that would be a story. And like it'd be uh, board games kind of gives me that same sort of feeling. In a less crazy way than that sounds, I guess. Like, it's it's all about coming up with uh, being like, let's make a deception game, but this is the concept. I like kind of coming up with that kind of thing. Um, I, I, I love theme. I like being able to say, uh, you know, let's make a game about that uh, game, uh, that uh, Aztec basketball-like game where they threw the hoop and it was a sideways hoop. Like, let's make a game out of that. we never done that. I just <laughs> wanted to point that one out because for some reason I just thought that. Um, and the idea is to just design something around that, and I, I, that's what I do as a designer usually. Um, I'm not the greatest at design personally. Um, it's just not something that comes easy to me, but uh, I, I enjoy what I do when I do it. So from a design perspective, I guess... Um, not so much something you've done because we do a lot of cards. A lot of stuff we design is with cards because it's of our limitations and things like that. But what is your dream component that you want to use in a game? I like that I can make. That you can make a game with that uses that, or even so, it could be in games that you that you really like. Um, but something that you know beyond just a card game. What would be your dream? Uh, Popomatic bubble. Oh. Um, now, well, I would love to use a Popomatic bubble in a war game. Probably, if you could find, if I could find a way to uh, incorporate that mechanically into a game, like the reason to have that as opposed to just rolling dice, would be a lot of fun. But uh, realistically, uh, I I really like miniatures. I um, I have a problem with miniatures, probably more accurately. Uh, I just like the idea, of, like little sculptures. I think it really helps improve like the narrative of a game to me. I would love to design a miniatures game. I'm not saying I prefer miniatures games overall. There are other games I probably prefer over that, but uh, most miniatures games. However, I really like. It. There's something about it that gives it like a real production to me. Like, like that's the, that's the ultimate level of where a board game can really go is when you have real custom miniatures that are like artistically and well designed. I think. So, with miniature games in mind, and this being DIY board games, have you seen at conventions any of the like? The Smurfs miniature games or anything like... Oh, I've definitely... Well, I, I've seen games that are like people make miniatures games or games that would have miniatures in their final product that should have miniatures in their <laughs> final product. People just be like, oh, you can take the Smurf figure that way. I've seen a lot of like um, like toy dragons as ga- in games, uh, toy dinosaurs, of course, as well. And uh, my favorite was a lot of like... There was this uh, anime series called Beatamons, and there were these little robots that shot beads out of their chests to represent a cannon. And it was just a really simple little toy gimmick that they had in this anime that backed it up. But somebody was using them as a board game, like not with the not with the marble. It was just that that's what they had for some reason to try to sell to like to to make the game look more interesting. Um, I have actually seen a lot of people that I have seen before uh, people with fully three D printed miniatures. In their game, like they they planned it out that far ahead. Out of all the games that you own or have played, which game has the has the least mass market production value that you can think of? The like of all the ones that I've so anything that you've either played or owned or you know about, which game has has been the furthest from something you'd see on a store shelf? From something I would see on a store shelf? Yeah. Store shelf? I guess... Hmm, that's actually hard. Because, I mean, like, I'm not... I mean, I've bought small games, but usually they they look nice, so I can't, like... Even, like, the wallet games from here look yeah. nice to me. Uh, 
So it's hard for me to say. I guess, like... Like, what is the most non-conventional game that you... I mean, like, in a mechanical sense? or Sure. um, The most non-conventional, I mean... Well, the one that came to mind for some reason was we never we didn't play test this by Asmati Games. Yep. But I think it's just because it's like a white box. Yeah. Um, and I would actually might say that they did Channel A as well, yep. and that game's really simple. There's something about the everything that game about that game, including the way the cards feel. Yeah. They're like cardboard like slates for some reason <laughs> that feels <laughs> like like it's the least production of it all. I mean, I I think. I've played Doctor. Lu- um, I have played uh, one or two uh, cheap ass games. Yep. I played uh, Saving Doctor Lucky, and I think I've played Killing Doctor Lucky as well. And uh, oh, you know what? I own a game called. Uh, it has the worst artwork I've seen on a board game called uh, Whack a Cat Girl. I picked it up because it was five bucks at a, like a board game store. I was like, well, I have to know what this is, <laughs> and it's literally about like throwing stuff at people wearing cat costumes. So uh, that game's artwork is terrible. I think it's an Asmati game as well. <laughs> I don't want to bag on them. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I don't, oh, God. All right, so um, where do you feel like the line, the line is drawn between games and art? You know, when does a game become art and when does art become a game? I mean, um, hmm. well, for me, any game that's just well-drawn comes across as art, obviously, immediately, because any game that has that has a lot of effort into its narrative or in its artwork, I think Dixit is the line where it really becomes art instead of game, because uh, that game is all about abstract yeah. concepts and uh, artwork in general. You're looking at pretty artwork, and you're supposed to say, what does this picture represent? I think that's the the most artistic I've ever really seen a game become in that sense. From a mechanical sense, I could say things like Hanabi. Yeah. And um was the the game. Mm-hmm. Those those are those are the most artistic a mechanical device can be in the sense of like these are well designed these like incredibly well designed uh very simple but very striking in some way. Very, very fun, and but yet still, there's a point where it, it, it becomes like not a simple game. It's not, I don't want to call them not intuitive, but they're not thematically something that's, yeah, that's simple to understand. Most game, most board games are like, you know, you were in Las Vegas, let's see who makes the most money, or you're fighting zombies, kill the most zombies, you know. Yeah, you're setting off fireworks, uh, trying to get five in a row. I mean, like that's the theme, <laughs> but you know that the theme was like, of course. you know that that theme was last in a game like that. What? Um, how important to you is the artwork of a game? Uh, bad artwork can rip me out of a game immediately. But I'm an artist uh, by nature, so I uh, like I notice things immediately that make you like that make me cringe if it looks bad. Uh, it's very rare these days that I find artwork that is legitimately that bad. Yeah. Um, most games nowadays are much better produced. Um, so, I mean, it would... It, it would... If the artwork is bad and not in a funny way, not like... Not like in the same... Like not in the... I don't want to say ironic, but in the same way that watching an ironic a movie ironically... Like if it doesn't like you know we 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 play a game we've played a game a lot called uh, World Championship Dodgeball. Oh yeah, that, the artwork on that box isn't very good, but it's so funny. It's and fitting. It's fitting, and that it you have to like look at it and make fun. You can make fun of it and enjoy it. All right, I got two more questions for you. Um, the first one is what is the most fun you've had playing a game in a public setting like which game was the most fun um public setting meaning not somebody's house convention oh, event. Oh, convention oh god um event convention see i've had a lot of uh, with 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 convention games it's very rare that when i'm at a convention i'm not playing unpublished games i guess 
That's true. Uh, these days, especially. I mean, uh, if it was like somebody's house or like at a party or something, the one that came to mind is either I'm Werewolf or Resistance, because uh, I've had a lot of fun playing those. Um, I played a 25-person resist uh, werewolf game that I remember fondly. Wow. Because I won. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I've had a lot of fun. I think the most the most fun game I've ever played at a convention was an unpublished game, which was, I think, it was either on Kickstarter or it's going to be. And I can't remember the name and title. Cool Swing Cat, swing cat Jive? Uh, it was on uh, Swinging Jive Cat. Or no, it was Voodoo, Swinging Jive Cat Voodoo Lounge? Yeah, Swinging Cat uh, Jive Cat Voodoo Lounge. That is was on Kickstarter and should be out soon, if not already. Yeah, that that game was that game's fantastic. Um, I played. Uh, we made a game actually one time for an unpub challenge. Okay. That I can't remember the title of, but it was the idea. The concept was like a Smash Brothers sort of a mashup of a bunch of characters fight. That I remember having fun playing with a couple of people at a convention once or <laughs> twice. Um, I need to go to more conventions and play games, but nowadays I've been at a convention. I'm usually at a booth, (laughs) so I probably only played Wildcats that day. Oh, you know, we did play uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf at a convention that we were working at. We played it behind the booth. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so my last question for now would be, um, what is the most money you've spent on a Kickstarter? (sighs) You don't have to say what how much you spent, but uh, give us some detail. Okay, I would the game I probably spent the most money. I spent uh, I got really into Rivet Wars, little cool uh, cool mini or not game on Kickstarter. You could still buy it right <laughs> off uh, off of their website. I think uh, I have everything but like one or two expansions. Because I couldn't spend spend any more after that. It, I think that's the most I've ever spent on it. Uh, I get suckered really easily into miniatures games, especially ones that I really want the pieces. Because I, I like Rivet Wars fine as a game, but I, even I'll have to admit to myself that I bought it because I liked the look of everything and just wanted to have them. Um, and I did the same thing recently for both Ghostbusters the game, because I was really, I'm, I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan anyway, so that was an obvious choice. And uh, Zombicide, maybe. I'd have to sit down and try to remember how much I spent, but I think I may have spent as much on Zombicide, Black Plague, as I have on that. And I'm not crazy about Zombicide, but it just looked cool. And uh, if I ever want to run a Zombies role-playing game, I know I have enough pieces. (laughs) (laughs) 